Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Well, hey, good morning, Connect Church, and uh, happy Valentine's Day. I know we had some flowers up front and a Valentine in your seat. Really what we were hoping to do is save every husband in the room today, right? Like, just in case you forgot, there's the flower and there's the candy. And man, we are so glad that you are here to join us. Whether, hey, it's physically here online or um, in the room or online, we are so grateful that you are here. And I want to say a quick shout out to our team. Uh, we have some brand new cameras to help make our online experience just a little better. And they've done such a great job with getting all of that installed. We are so thankful for those of you who join us digitally every Sunday morning. And happy Valentine's Day to you as well. How's everybody doing today? Good? A good Sunday so far. Thank you to Isaiah House who came out and kind of spread some love. You saw on the top of the hill as you were coming out. We are a proud sponsor of, partner with Isaiah House who exists to help children who are taken from their home have a place where they're loved and they're safe and where they can stay. We're so grateful for our partnership with Isaiah House. Now, with it being Valentine's Day, I just don't know that there's any better way to start out a sermon on today than by looking at marriage memes. So let's just do this together, okay? Some of my favorite from the internet. Here we go. Marriage lets you annoy one person, one special person for the rest of your life. Isn't that good? It's a really good definition of marriage. Here's another one. Behind every angry woman stands a man who has absolutely no idea what he did wrong. Man, is that maybe, I mean, I don't know what that's like, but I read it in a book once. Here we go. Uh, 90% of being married is just shouting what from other rooms? That's my marriage. That is, I didn't know we spent so much time doing that. I love this one. Being married is just saying, what do you want for dinner back and forth until one of you is dead? Gosh, that is, man, uh, I picked everyone that speaks to our marriage, okay? So just so you know, this is a picture of my marriage to my wife. Um, now, you can't see this as well. This is a refrigerator, and this is a canyon. It says up here, men be like, where's the ketchup? Right in front of his face. But also, men be like, do you see that buck across the canyon, right? And I, I'm going to tell you, we have this conversation all the time. I love this, this meme. I got a couple more. Hun, says the husband. I know where we keep everything in the house. I live here, remember, said no husband ever, right? That's a constant struggle for us. Um, if a wife laughs at her husband's joke, it means they have visitors. I love being funny in here because you laugh, and it may be courtesy laughing. This is the truth. <laughs> like The only way I can crack my wife up is if you guys are in the room with me. But anyway, I think... I think this is the last one. Nine out of ten husbands agreed that their wives are always right. The tenth one hasn't been seen since the study was conducted. <laughs> Just choose some life. Hey, listen, we love marriage here at Connect Church. And today we are going to continue in a series of messages entitled Frame, where we find the very truth of God and the doctrines of God established in the Garden of Eden. And we find those truths, we frame them because they are worth displaying. For the world to see and today we continue in that the truth we frame up today from scripture is that God's design for marriage your marriage and mine is to his glory and to our good 
Church, hear me. It is important that we celebrate and we champion God's design for marriage. Now listen, not everybody's married anymore. Some of you are looking forward to being married someday. Some of y'all have tried it and said, I'm done. So this message hits so many different places in people's hearts. But at the same time, all of us can come together and look at what God establishes in the garden and celebrate and champion marriage together here today. I think about this when we see God's design throughout Scripture. And we begin to see throughout the creation narrative, everywhere we find a picture of God's design. But it is accentuated. God's design is accentuated in the creation of Adam and Eve and the love relationship they shared. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 1. We're going to be back and forth between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 this morning. But let's begin as we see God designed us distinctly. God designed us differently. Look at this. So God created, in verse 27, mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. We've already been there. Male and female, he created them. You ready? As image of God bearers. We recognize that not only did God create us, but he designed us to bear his image, to have an eternal soul and a will that is free. We've already celebrated that together in the past sermons. But he also both designed and assigned our gender. Hey, did you know that you were created by God biblically, biologically as a male or a female to his glory and to our good? That's what Genesis 1 teaches us. Now, as we begin to dig deeper into God's design, we know that Adam was formed from the dust. We've already seen that. Um, dust of the earth by God. But what of Eve? What's her story? And we begin to look at, and I'm going to tell you, it's one of the greatest love stories in all of history. One of the most beautiful, romantic love stories there is. And watch this in Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone, so I will make a suitable helper for him. Now watch this. In God's creation, up until this point, creation has yet to be subjected to sin, to death, or to evil. And God declared all that he made was good in Genesis chapter 1. But in the midst of all that was good, there was something that wasn't good. And that was that Adam was alone. Here's what we find in Genesis chapter 2, that, that it wasn't that Adam was missing something. It was that Adam was missing someone. And God had just the right plan. There needed to be a helper suitable for him, the Scripture, the scripture says. Adam needed a helper. Now, I want to caution you men to choose life here. Because before you think that this means God created a woman for man to have dominion over and to subdue, Adam was only given those rights of dominion and subduing capabilities, those capabilities over animals, not Eve. And for those of you who are convinced that it's your job to have dominion over to subdue women, there's two things I'm convinced of. Number one, you don't know God. And number two, you don't know women. That's not the relationship God had in mind. Consider this, the word helper. You know, a lot of times people say, and that is just, that's degrading of women. He needed a suitable helper. Until you realize that Hebrew word helper is oftentimes used in the Old Testament to describe God. To describe God. 
in his relationship with mankind. It's not a term that degrades women, yet elevates them. I love this. Like Adam, Eve bore the image of God as well. She was created by God equal in love, equal in value, and equal in importance. And while we celebrate different design, different roles, and different strengths that exist between men and women, both sexes are equal in value, significance, and are dearly loved by their creator. In verse 21, God sees Adam alone, and he fixes the problem in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. God suits up for surgery. Let's take a look at this. You ready? So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. Now, this is not a hard task for me. All I need is a recliner in about two minutes. But this is a little bit different of a sleep. And while he was sleeping, God took one of the man's ribs and then closed the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. And listen to Adam's words. Guys, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Imagine the first time he laid his eyes on her. You know, this is not the translation, but it almost as if he said, whoa, man. He liked what he saw. Imagine that moment. He first looked at Eve. And this is beautiful. Hey, man, I want to say this about Valentine's Day. You don't need a $5 Hallmark card, okay? Take a piece of construction paper and write out to your wife. This is what I'm going to do today later on. Dear Aaron, from Anthony, you are bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Right? I I tried that, and she thought I was calling her fat. But anyway, it should work in your situation. I've set you up with that. But hear me. Don't miss the beauty in the romance. Oftentimes that's lost to us because we're not reading it in the Hebrew language. But I want you to hear me. The beauty of these words, the romance and the love here, it's undeniable. And you know what? The power and the beauty of this moment is still felt today. Still felt today by all of us who have loved. And watch what, watch what Moses does here. Watch what the Holy Spirit of God does here in verse 24. And it's for this reason that a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Oh, there's the truth we frame. God's design for one of the most powerful relationships, institutions, and unions of all creation. Marriage. And as we celebrate and champion God's design for marriage today, we recognize this. And real quick, we'll cover them. There are some things that fall outside of God's design for marriage. And I want us to talk about just a couple of them today. Number one, I have a box right here. And on the front of it, it's written God's design. Because here's what we find in Scripture. Whether it's Genesis chapter 2 or places like Ephesians chapter 5, we find that God's design, which this box represents, is the very place where God says this. Man, in this design is where you honor me. And in this design is where I'll honor you. I will provide for you. I will protect you in my design. I will pour my blessings over you in and through my design. Hey, but we know this is broken people, don't we? 
there are things, especially when we speak of marriage, that fall outside of his design. And, and one of those is this. is divorce. Divorce was never in God's design. In fact, it, it falls outside of God's design for marriage. And here's what we know. You ready? Whether you are the victim of divorce in this room, there are so many. Or you are the cause of divorce. The Bible teaches in Malachi chapter 2 that God would say this in verse 16, I hate divorce. And you begin to ask yourself the question, why? Because it was never part of God's design. And let me give you a couple of practical reasons why God does. Not only is it not his design for marriage, but here's what we understand marriage to be biblically. You ready? Marriage is a union between one man and one woman in a covenant-committed relationship for life. That's how God designed it. And that's how divorce ends it. And so it falls outside of his design. And here's the deal about divorce, too. You ready? Y'all know this to be true. Divorce destroys everybody it touches. This, this hurts everybody. Whether you were the victim of or you're the cause of, or maybe you're a child of, it hurts everyone it touches. And you know what? I know that personally. I come from a divorced home, and I am 38 with a beautiful family, a wonderful church, and it still hurts today. It still hurts. But I also know this truth. That though it falls outside of God's design, it doesn't fall outside of Jesus' ability to heal and to make new. And I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that there's something else that really falls outside of God's design for marriage. You ready? Adultery. Adultery. Hey, you ready? Nowhere in God's design do we find this. Adultery falls outside of God's design. And whether it's emotional or physical, no matter how we try to justify it, no matter how tough our marriage is or has been, adultery has never been a part of God's design because it, it breaks promises, it destroys people, and it ends marriages. I've heard it said this way, and listen closely. A successful marriage requires falling in love many times, but always with the same person. A successful marriage requires falling in love many times, but always with the same person. And can I caution us in this discussion of marriage? Be careful how much we elevate our feelings. Hey, I want you to hear me. Your feelings are a wonderful gift from God, but they are a terrible guide. Why? Because church, we're not two, year, two years old and dominated by feelings. We are people of faith too, and not just feelings. You see, feelings that lead to adultery fall outside the design of God. And here's the last one now. I need to qualify this just a little bit. But sexual intimacy. Now, not all of it's bad. Hey, I want you to hear me. 
not all of it's bad. It's a beautiful part of God's design. Sexual intimacy is powerful. It is wonderful. It's amazing. Thank God for such intimacy. I would ask for an amen, but it would be really uncomfortable, right? Some of you out there are like, in your spirit. <laughs> I think my mom's in the room. Anyway, but hear me. I want you to hear me, church. And my in-laws are in the next service. This is just going to be bad. <laughs> Sexual intimacy was designed to be in here. It was never designed by God to be expressed and enjoyed outside of his design. It never was. It's too powerful. Why? Because we know that sexual intimacy, it is powerful. That's why our culture so exploits and sells sex. Such intimacy is a gift of God that is valuable and it is important. You ready? In here. And it's cheapened out here. That's part of the truth we see framed up here in Genesis chapter 2. I love this, that that Paul would also frame this truth found here. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, he says this, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. One flesh in part refers to sexual intimacy. God's design is clear. It ought to be shared with those who are married. With one man and one woman in a covenant and a committed relationship for life. Now notice Adam and Eve. I want you to notice this in the text. You ready? But they don't move in together and share husband and wife privileges just to try each other out. That may be what's norm of culture today, but it's not biblical. It's not how God designed it. I want to consider this. For those of you guys who aren't married and who are maybe dating or considering it, Hebrews 13 forces this marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. So here's what that means. You ready? Boyfriends don't get husband privileges and girlfriends don't get wife privileges in God's design. We can celebrate and champion His design for marriage, even in our dating relationships. You ready? Honor your future spouse and your future marriage. And so as we celebrate and we champion God's design for marriage this morning, I want, to know that, I want you to know this, that we can also have compassion on people who don't celebrate God's design and who do not champion it. And I think it's important as a church that we're reminded of that oftentimes in the New Testament, Jesus would travel and he would come face to face with large crowds of people before him. Crowds made up of believers and unbelievers, God lovers and God haters. And time and time again, Scripture would say he'd have compassion on them. Mark 6, 34, and he felt compassion for them, the Bible says. You know what compassion is? It is valuing a person's soul. Valuing them because they bear the image of our God too. And like us, they too have been broken by sin. Now, I want to also say a word about compassion. You ready? And church, hear my heart. Compassion does not mean compromising the truth of God's word. 
It doesn't mean caving into the pressure concerning his design. Compassion doesn't mean cowering to bullies. And it doesn't mean condoning sin. Rather, compassion compels us to love people. Remember when Jesus was posed a question about the greatest commandment in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37? Can I, can I sum up how Jesus answered that? Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. You know what that means? To love your neighbor? That you ought to love your Christian neighbor. You got to love your atheist neighbor. You got to love your married neighbor and love your divorced neighbor. Love your gay neighbor, your straight neighbor. Your neighbor who believes like you do and your neighbor who doesn't believe like you do. There's no conditional clause here in Jesus' command. We simply love. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor, church. You see, here's what I'm convinced. That our compassion in Christ compels us to labor for people, to see them come to Christ and to help them grow in Christ. Trust me. It is far easier for me to preach against culture up here than it is to get outside of these walls and to reach the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is our command to do. But here's what's beautiful about our marriages is that they celebrate and they champion God's design in order to point people to Jesus. Hey, can I say something about your future marriage, your marriage as it is? Or those who are married around you, our, marriage, our marriages are more than just about us. It's bigger than that. Your marriage and mine is a picture of the gospel designed by God to point others his love for them. From the founding of marriage in Genesis chapter 3 to the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation chapter 19, our marriages are bigger than us and serve to point others to Jesus. But here's what I also want to do. Hey, believer, I don't want you to be made to feel bad because you celebrate and you champion God's design for marriage. Don't feel bad. Our culture might call us intolerant and might even try to cancel you. But I love what Booker T. Washington, a former slave who raised to be a counselor to presidents, I love what he once said. Listen to his words. A lie doesn't become truth. Wrong doesn't become right, and evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by the majority. Hey, even if our culture calls us name and labels us and tries to cancel us, choose compassion anyways. Hate is too heavy a burden to bear. Labor with compassion for a world who is in need of the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ like we are. But do so Never compromising truth. Listen to what John would write in 1 John 3, 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. With actions and in truth. And so you may say, well, Anthony, okay, we understand what's not part of his design. We understand what we're celebrating God's design. How do I celebrate? And how do I champion marriage? You ready? You do so by fighting for your marriage. You, right? you do so by celebrating your marriage. You do so by championing, championing your marriage. I love this. You ready? You and I 
must fight for our spouses. If your marriage is in trouble or if your marriage is broken, then for kingdom's sake, reach out to somebody to help you. I, I, I want to tell you this, that it is so important in here that we begin investing in our marriages, that we begin spending time and focusing our heart and our resources towards the most important relationship outside of Jesus that we have. Here's three ways my wife and I try to do that. You ready? Number one, we dialogue daily. Do you dialogue daily? Man, I know you're busy. I know you got work. You might even have kids. But I'm going to tell you how important it is to sh shut off the phone, to darken the screens, to put the kids to bed, and to sit down with your spouse and go, how you doing? What you got going on? I want to pray about it. Dialogue daily. You ready? Here's another important thing to investing in your marriage. Date weekly. And that's so hard to do. Man, I know it. I got four kids under the age of nine. I've got a church. I work some other jobs. I have another business. Man, I know how hard it is. But you know what? Almost every week, Aaron and I find some time just to get out of the house together. Man, I don't have money to do that. You don't need money. Pack PB&J, sit in your truck, and look at the stars. Find creative ways. But hear me. By all means, invest in your marriage and date weekly. We don't get to do it every single week, but we do most weeks. And also, we depart annually. We depart annually. At some point in the future, whether it's a, a cabin just down the road, whether it, we, we head off on some three-day weekend together, we just... Get away, just me and her. Even if that means we just kick the kids out of the house for a night. Depart annually. I, every time we leave our kids, we, Aaron and I get out to the van, and you know, I, I scream, freedom! Aaron, get your passports, let's go. You know, hey, it's important for you and I to invest in our marriages. Now, you may be finding yourself looking into the mirror today saying, my marriage is not what I expected it to be. I'm not as happy as I thought I would be. My needs or my expectations are not being met. I don't feel in love with my spouse. But you know what? The truth we frame here in Genesis chapter 2 challenges us and motivates us to stop looking into the mirror and to start looking at our maker. To celebrate the champion. His design for our Marriage, you know what? If you've been married for more than two days, here's what you realize. You can't control your spouse. Just, you can't do it. But guess what? You can't control you. Celebrate and be a champion in your marriage, even if your spouse isn't there yet. Pray for your marriage. Let me teach you how to pray for your marriage. It's not, God, will you fix them? God, would you change her heart? You know what the prayer of marriage is? God, fix me. Hey, God, change my heart. Change my heart. Pray for your marriage. I love this quote. You ready? Marriage is a gift from God to us. But the quality of our marriage is a gift from us to Him. And you might say, well, Anthony... Fight for my marriage. 
all I do is fight in my marriage. I love what Matthew Jacobson writes. He says this. This is how a Christian couple ought to fight. Number one, shut up. Number two, back up. Number three, pray up. And number four, make up and get on with your marriage. I love that. And so you may be asking yourself the question this morning, but what if I find myself having desires that, out, that are outside of God's design for, for my marriage, for love, for sexual intimacy. Hear me, believer, and, and let me highlight a point I made last week. We are all born into sin. We all have a sin nature that desires things that are outside of God's design and His will for our lives. But hear me as well. We are all under one obligation in Jesus Christ, and that is this. You ready? Deny yourself. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23? Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Now listen, we may have many desires that are outside of his design and God's will for our lives, but the call of every believer in Christ is deny yourself. Deny yourself. That means deny yourself and align your desires, your feelings, your life to God's design and his will. We live in a culture that preaches, deny yourself nothing. And yet Jesus calls us to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow him. Here's the truth we frame today. Marriage is the union of one man and one woman in a covenant and committed relationship for life. Why? For his glory and for our good. You might say, well, I I'm not married but I want to be one day. Hey, you know what? The challenge is the same. Celebrate and champion God's design for your future marriage by aligning your dating relationships now to his design. You might not be married. And you might say, I, I'm never going to be married. You know that you can celebrate and champion God's design for marriage by praying and fighting for the marriages around you. Did you know that? I love this quote from Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves his church and gave himself for her. My brother, church is just down the road. Um, he's the skinny pastor with skinny jeans and v-necks. Um, everything I'm not. I'm the pastor of Husky Jeans and Vest. Uh, but listen, in his church is a man by the name of Jack. And man, Jack's a precious older believer in his church. In the margins of Jack's Bible, right next to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, are these two words. Doug did. Understand why he wrote that in the margins of his Bible next to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, is to know the tragic story of his son Doug. In their family. Well, one night, Doug was upstairs, and he was just upstairs in their house hanging out when a knock came at the door, and his precious wife opened the door. And there, a disturbed man stood outside. He took out a knife, and he began to attack Doug's wife. Doug, hearing the commotion, runs downstairs, puts his body in between. The man and his wife pushes her away and saves her life 
screams for her to go get help. Get out of here. Go get help. And by the time the police came, Doug's injuries were too great. And Jack's son died there in his home. He loved his wife so much that he jumped in between her and the enemy, taking the wounds and the injuries that cost his life in order to save his bride. Thus, in the margins of his dad's Bible, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Jack Roth. Doug did. Hey, can I share with you something, church? Jesus did. Jesus did. Jesus got in between my sin and my selfishness, my sin nature. He got in between that and God's wrath against sin when he died for us upon the cross and he emptied the tomb three days later. Later, And here's what I'm convinced. The very same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the very same power that can breathe life into a marriage that seems dead or a marriage that is dying. The very same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the very same power that a single person or a dating relationship can say, man, I'm going to tell you that we're going to align our lives to the design and the will of God. It's the very same power, church, for those of you who've been hurt in marriage and maybe even destroyed that marriage, it's the very same power that can heal you today. The very same power. I'm going to invite our team on stage. They have a great song that they're going to share. And here's what I want you to do. If you have a husband or wife in the room, I want you to reach over and grab hold of their hand right now. Now maybe you have lost, maybe you are a widow or a widower. And you lost somebody that you love dearly. Here's what I hope you'll do. I hope you'll hold on to their memory right now. And this will be a wonderful time just to celebrate the marriage that you so enjoyed. For those of you guys who are looking forward to marriage maybe one day, a good reminder of what celebrating God's design and being a champion of God's design can produce in a marriage relationship. Guys, I'm going to tell you, we really need to celebrate and champion marriage in our churches, in our cultures, in our communities. What a gift. God. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.